Hello, and welcome to the very first edition of the Texas Bomb Squad Massacre. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking terrible. That heavy breathing when I was talking isn't an effect. I guess Josh is unhealthy. I don't know. Welcome to America. <laughs> I am. I should give up energy drinks. I'm I'm thinking about it. So like I said last week, we're going to start covering the first four episodes. The first four movies of Texas Chainsaw Massacre in May. And then we'll catch back up in October and finish the series. We were going to do the whole series. And then we realized there's like eight of them. <laughs> Maybe nine by the time we're done. Because there's another one. It's already finished and it's going to get released soon. Um, So, yeah, we wanted to talk about them, but we had to start with the first one, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Joshua, tell us what this movie is about. It's about a group of teens has to make a stop in a small town. But only from the perspective of armadillos. Uh, Dead on the highway. (laughs) It's about being dead on the highway. (laughs) Uh, it's a group of teens who have to make an unexpected stop at a small Texas town and get more than they bargained for. Ooh, very, very mysterious. Very Texas Chainsaw mysterious. Um, yeah, so th- it's about these teens and they have to go to a Texas Chainsaw graveyard and find their Texas Chainsaw grandpa. <laughs> Although Uh they're not, they don't have to unexpectedly stop. That's their goal. Is like I, I feel like they live in Texas in Austin, and they're just well, they're they're kind of on a a bit of a trip because they're not planning to stay in the town. Um, Yeah, but it's because their grandpa's cemetery was desecrated, and so they went to go like find. Oh, you're right. Um, Wow, how did I forget a plot point for a movie I just saw? The remains. It's because, like, by the time it's over, you've been on such a journey that you're like, oh, yeah, stuff happens at the beginning. Right. That's, that's uh, yeah. like, here's the reason they were there. Um, this movie also shares something with um, the movie Fargo and The Strangers in that it lies about being based on a true story. Oh, well, we'll talk about that in a bit. <laughs> but the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a 1974 horror film. It was directed by the great late Stan, uh, Toby Hooper. I was going to call him Stanley. Stars Marilyn Burns and Gunnar Hansen. Those are the most famous. It was shot on location in around Austin, Texas. And it was shot during the summer, which we'll talk about soon. Because <laughs> it sounds yeah. miserable filming it. Yeah. Also, it is kind of funny because like sometimes people bring up that, um, that this movie is like a political movie about the Vietnam War. And like... Like Josh was saying, like the the main, I feel like if you haven't seen this movie, the main thing you probably know about this movie is based on true events. And it's very much like, uh, it's very much framed like that at the very beginning. There's like John Larroquette came in to do a voiceover. It has a very documentary feel to it. But the only, but it's not based on true events. It's like loosely based on Ed Gein, who's in Wisconsin. Which every um, like serial killer movie for a long time was. Um, it, I yeah. will say it is a movie that I. You, you ain't cool unless you base some of your movie on Ed Gein. <laughs> yeah, I guess this that does kind of bleed over into this too. Um, he does. Uh, I, I hadn't seen this movie in forever. And I think this is a movie I saw 
after seeing like Rob Zombie movies. So it was one of those situations where this movie is way smarter and understated than I remembered it being, you know, like, I think I was conflating it with what came after. And I was like, oh, they it really isn't like it's more implied violence than what you see for the most part. And I mean, that's what makes it like, you know, scarier. Yeah. The funny thing is, is, and it's hard to even like if you think about the kills in this movie, you wouldn't realize that. But Toby Hooper actually wanted this movie to be rated PG which at the time, like in 1974, there was no PG-13. So PG was kind of PG-13. Oh, so he yeah. wanted it to be like PG, PG-13. And like, so he didn't show any real blood. Like you only see blood and guts once. And that's when Leatherface hurts himself. But like when he well, turned it in, he got a X rating. <laughs> you do <laughs> see the desiccated funny. corpse. Like it, it opens on a shot of like the yeah. posed corpse of but the graveyard. But even the corpse is like, um, it's not like bleeding. It's like, it's like meat tenderizing, but it's not like bleeding. Yeah, it's, it's still, I mean, it's again, the implication of what that is, though, is gross. And if, if you know anything about the MPAA, they really just care about blood. Or um, women masturbating. That, that'll that get you an x Yeah, or any like kind of sexuality yeah. featuring women. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so he wanted it to be... But yeah, the thing is, is that, okay, so people have talked about how this movie is about the Vietnam War, but here's the thing. I was reading about it. I've been, like, reading about this all week, and the only thing it has to do with the Vietnam War is that Toby Hooper thought that he was lied to a lot by the media in the Vietnam War, so his response was to lie and say the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was <laughs> was a true story. It's like, okay, that's the loosest. I mean, it, it definitely, like, not not specifically the war, but there is kind of this, like, because like, it, it just opens with, like, a news report of, like, the bodies, and then it kind of goes into, like, the violence of, like, modern society at the time. So it's definitely, like, still, like, a political commentary, even if it's not, like, a specific war thing. Like, it's clearly yeah. about that, you know? And then, and then he said, oh, I thought that the horrors were putting on the the real horror was man and we were putting on a mask so i put the mask of a man on our man and that's how i came up with leatherface toby hooper that's the most (laughs) art school bullshit that i've ever heard in my life i mean this was his first movie out of arts after our school right I, i don't think i know it was his first movie but i think he had been working in the industry for a while he was a little bit older but and also I think like one of the things okay so for our first talking point I'm just gonna kind of bring up trivia because I think like other than the actual scariness of Texas Chainsaw Massacre one of the things I think that so many people like it is that this was made in Texas it was made like not it wasn't Union obviously and right. it was made for like ten thousand dollars or like it was made for the equivalent of three hundred thousand dollars. I think it was like eighty thousand or fifty. I think it was thirty thousand, and then it got eighty thousand in post production. But regardless, that's still really cheap to make a movie, and they just kind of went out and did it, you know. And yeah. so I think, other than being like one of the scariest movies of all time, it's also like a feat in independent cinema. That uh, that I think. I mean, I think that's why most people. I mean, even if you don't like it, you can at least appreciate that these guys wanted to make this movie, so they went out and did it, you know? Yeah. Toby Hooper had made eggshells. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but he also <laughs> made Down Friday Street, which is a documentary short. And the heisters, these all sound like, Toby Hooper, you are 
you're me when I did. I was going to say, when this I was very in film, school. film school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is my, did I direct these movies? <laughs> um, but yeah. And like, okay, so let's look at some of this trivia. I got it all pulled up because I like it. Also, I think that um, like one of the things is that John Larroquette, who's like famously does the opening narration and like John Larroquette went on to be his own actor and stuff. But his payment for doing the opening uh, opening narration was a joint. <laughs> yeah, what a 70s move. <laughs> it's yeah. like the most 70s thing ever, yeah. <laughs> and then like uh, they filmed it in the summer. They like they didn't have any, uh, you know, it wasn't a set. It was just a house. And like for their, there's like a bone couch in the middle of their house. It doesn't look comfortable at all. Very funny they, because, you know, you've also filmed a movie in the dead of summer, you know, like with no money. And it's like, and it was miserable and we had air conditioning and they didn't even have that, you know, in this like old house they were filming. It must've just been like absolutely like insufferable. And if you haven't been to Texas in the summer, especially like not even El Paso, but in Austin, Oh my God, the humidity. Oh yeah. The humidity. Yeah. And so like, yeah, it had to be terrible. And but yeah, they had like they have like a dead couch and it's full of skulls, and they just got real human bones because they couldn't afford fake human bones, and they use like <laughs> real blood at times. Like it's just like everything that you read about is just like, oh yeah, this was the worst thing ever. Like apparently, like all the actors hated Toby Hooper for like a few months after the movie was released because they just like didn't want to do it or like just the shit they had to go through like um. Sometimes they would use real hammers or like I was watching a documentary with uh, or it was a documentary about the making, but the hitcher who's played by Edwin Neal, he's like talking about it. And he's like, there's like a scene where like they pull him out of the car and they're hitting him with a stick <laughs> and he's talking about it. And he's like, yeah, it was a real stick. And I kept telling Toby Hooper <laughs> that it hurt a lot. And he and like Toby Hooper would hit himself in the hand and be like, nah, that's fine. <laughs> he's like, no, it hurts. And then he's like, and when you watch the film, it's so dark you can't even see anything. It's like I didn't even get hit for a real reason. <laughs> yeah, Which is that's... like a pretty funny thing where it's like I would have gotten hit, but I didn't uh not for nothing. Right. That's it's one of those like when they uh Bruce Campbell fought to like keep the wood chopping scene in Evil Dead because it took so long. It was such a pain. Yeah. And Sam yeah. Raimi's like, I don't care. It doesn't it's, it messes up the pace, it gets out, you know. Yeah, it's hilarious. And then, like, um, yeah, like, Gunnar Hansen, like, his Leatherface costume, they only had one, they only had one costume. Usually on a movie, if you have, if the character is wearing the same outfit, you have multiple versions, so they don't do what happens to Gunnar Hansen, because apparently by the end of it, he smelled so bad that, like, nobody wanted to sit next to him. <laughs> and, like, I, I think it adds to the general... Yeah, like the, the like the grimy feeling of it. Yeah, it feels yeah, oppressive really to like watch it. Like, like it's that's why this movie, these these movies, even when they're well done, it's like this is unpleasant to watch. But I respect how bad it makes me feel. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's definitely like a a gross kind of too close, especially with some of the shots and then the infamous dinner scene. Um, right. There's like so much that you're like, oh man, this just doesn't like, I just feel uncomfortable the whole time. And then, I mean, the movie's like so, 
good. I don't know if good is the right word. <laughs> the movie's <laughs> You so know what like, I liked him when I kind of cuz the I think the thing I was trying to say is that the movie is so like twisted that when I was watching like the documentary about them making it and like they showed Ed Gein or Gwyn. His name is G U I N N. Gein. Gein, yeah. They when say they it in American Gein, Psycho, so you should know it, but I don't know. Ed, Ed Gein is a serial killer. I know his name, but oh. the hitcher is played by a guy named Ed Gwine. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I only know the Sean Bean hitcher, so. And I just like, I was like, oh, that's weird that they have a very similar name. But anyway, but I was watching <laughs> them interview this guy and I was like, oh, this is just a regular guy. It's just like an actor, dude. He has like a normal voice <laughs> because in the movie, he acts so unhinged and he has such a weird way of talking. And it's not even like a particular accent, even though he does have one. It's just like the way he talks and the yeah. way he acts. You wouldn't think that anyone like you would think like it'd be like a Sherry Moon zombie situation where it's like. Oh no, that's just kind of how they are, you know. Yeah, like she always has the baby voice. Yeah, yeah, whereas, exactly. Uh, yeah, like it, it almost—it feels like a speech development problem, almost. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, and it's kind of funny because, like, watching it, like the way he got the role is that they were at UT Austin, and they were just going to class, and they were all student, they're all film majors, and like someone was like, "Hey, are you gonna apply to this movie?" And he was like, "What movie?" They're like, "No, they're auditioning a movie in the in the." auditorium or whatever and he was like oh sure they are <laughs> and so they went and uh hunter or toby hooper came out and he was like yeah you guys here for the movie and they're like uh sure <laughs> and so they just got auditions because they just kind of showed up and like that's kind of the fun of independent film that you don't really get in other places you know yeah, it's not like russell crowe would just wander onto the set of a movie and be hired these days right it's yeah like... or just like even me like to do auditions we kind of go through a process where we like set it all up it's not, it, like open auditions don't really exist anymore at least not it's almost like you can do them when you're a big production because you can coordinate getting that many people when you're a small production it's harder to do because you're like just going through modeling agencies and like a lot of models they they don't they haven't taken acting classes and they have this weird unnatural way of speaking so it's almost easier to get either actors or people who want to act but don't model. <laughs> Sorry, <Yeah>. models. <laughs> um, and I think it's because in modeling, you have to be so unnatural, where in filmmaking, you have to be supernatural. Um, and it's just like, they're just like, it's just different uh, ways of thinking. I think when you do an opening casting at a modeling agency, they're still in model mode. Yeah, it's like um, there's like just different perceptions. Yeah, that was Andrew goes off on a tangent on models. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know what I do like about this movie and something that I, I do think, because um, I, I saw, I've, I've only seen this movie and then the, the 2003 remake with Jessica Biel. And, you know, I obviously the same broad strokes, like a bunch of teens show up. Um, and I don't really remember the 2003 one. I just remember it not being that good. But uh, in this one, I like that the teens they kind of make a point to be like, oh, here's this like violent modern world. And these teens are super like new age, like into like the Zodiac and like horoscopes kind of like in a way that never helps that like, it's like, they're like kind of like helpless. You know what I mean? Like they're basically like, like yeah, kind of kids like who are just like these going teens, to be murdered. 
like they made them extra clueless because like <laughs> early on when they, uh, the the one guy in the wheelchair who's kind of the guy who can kind of know what's going on Franklin, Franklin. He, who's like aware that they're in danger and he's like the only one and it doesn't help obviously but uh he gets cut early on and the first thing one of the girls does is like well let me read your horoscope <laughs> it's like thanks thanks for reading my yeah. horoscope when i got stabbed that makes me it's like oh no they don't have any solutions either they just have this like fake new age bullshit to like deal with how bad society is you know yeah, because, I mean, if you think about it, this movie was made in, like, 1974. And I was kind of looking at the movies that were made around there. And so you have, like, The Exorcist was made, like, a year before. And then, like, a year before Last House on the Left was made. And you kind of look at Last House on the Left. And the kids in that movie are kind of portrayed, even though they're supposed to be, like, 17, 18, as, like, super innocent, kind of, like, still kids, you know? And uh, and in this one, they're kind of portrayed as more not world world weary, but more like just like realistic, where they're kind of dicks to each other, <laughs> but they're yeah. not really like it's just like they're just kind of all selfish in the way that college age kids are, you know? Yeah, but like in a way where they're like, no, no, we're cool, like we're with it, and I and I kind of appreciate that the only they don't like outright say it, but it's like the only reason that Franklin the the brother in the wheelchair isn't necessarily that way is because like he's had a harder life because he's you know like handicapped like at the very beginning of the movie he literally just by pure chance like a truck splashes them and it causes them to like fly out of his wheelchair and like hit the ground and it's like oh like he's just being shit on by life so much that he's like hey something's up with this like small community you know like yeah it, 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 everyone ignores him anyway and like d- does it they're like yeah let's pick up that hitchhiker he's like no we, we shouldn't do that he has blood on the half of his face <laughs> they literally go like oh hey sh- oh it's some birthmark it's not blood but they go should we pick up this hitchhiker and he goes oh and then someone's like of course <laughs> um and then also like yeah to kind of to kind of staple in the selfishness of these characters and i don't think it's intentional selfishness like i said they like go visit after they go to the cemetery they go visit um the the house where the grandpa used to live and it's like an old house it's been like forgotten but it's down at the bottom of the hill and they just leave franklin at the top of the hill franklin's in a wheelchair and so there's no real way for him to get down (laughs) yeah like they're, they're just so and then i mean any like kind of complaint it's like they're so oblivious to everything but just like hanging out and having a good time um yeah like he literally has to tell them like oh yeah you guys have to take me down there before they realize oh yeah there's, there's something interesting about that too um and i was gonna ask what you think about this um because as spoilers for the movie um the uh the gas station where they stop and they, they won't have gas available till tomorrow the gas station attendant is part of Leatherface's family. He's the cook. Um, he's like, hey, don't go to that house. Like, don't go to any old house. Just stick around here. And do you think the idea is that he didn't want to kill them? Like, he was like, hey, if, if the rest of my family doesn't find you, you'll be okay. But once they found you, like, we have to kill all of you. Any, You know what I'm saying? Like, does that make sense to you? Or was it like, oh, yeah, no, he was going to get them anyway? And I was like, I don't know, because he seems like he really was trying to warn them, like, hey, just don't go out into the the woods. I do think that there is, like, one of the things I like about this movie, we can talk about more, is that 
they all have very different um, reactions to murder. The family, the Sawyer family. And the yeah, I do think actually he is trying to save them a little bit in terms of like, oh, if they don't go there, we don't have to kill them. And so I do think it's genuine because that guy, the, he's, his name is Old Man. None of them have real names. But um, they all kind of like, he is trying to save him because he does talk about how he hates murder and he just can't get into it like the other two. Yeah, like he takes, he says, I take no pleasure in killing, which is funny because it's like, that is kind of like they like live in an old slaughterhouse. And it's like, I think that's how most of society like looks at slaughterhouses. Like, oh, we don't like it, but we see it as a necessity, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's literally what he says. But um, so, yeah, I do think that kind of adds like and I want to bring that fact up because it's such a weird aspect like Marilyn Chambers, who actually, if you read trivia, she like helped this production so much. I think she deserves as much credit as uh, as Toby Hooper because she was always like helping or like doing stuff like every line of trivia has Marilyn Chambers like helping in some way you know like she's she was friends with uh um with gunner hansen who eventually played leatherface and kind of talked them into it she like was in charge of her own clothes but they all kind of were in charge and she like cut herself jumping out the window near the end and it's like oh yeah so she did like so much on set but uh like the kids in this movie other than franklin don't really have a lot of characteristics like if you had to describe any of the other kids other than Franklin and and like Sally, who's the main character, even though she is the main character and she's the one who survives. Spoiler alert. She um she also doesn't have a lot of characteristics like you relate to her because of what's happening to her as opposed to who she is as a character. Yeah, like you want to see her survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the killers from Leatherface to the cook to the. The hitchhiker. Grandpa to the hitchhiker. Yeah. They have so much characteristics where you know, like, their motivations. You know, like, what pleasures they get out of murder. Like, the hitcher clearly gets, like, some kind of sick pleasure out of torturing the people while they're still alive. And Leatherface obviously, like, likes it when they're already dead. <laughs> like, he likes to play with the bodies, clearly. And, like, yeah, it's, different it's funny because he... Well, he almost all, for the most part, just kills everyone immediately. Like, yeah. like the idea is like, yeah, he just like wants to make their bones into like a lamp or whatever. Um, yeah, no, that was, an, it was something I didn't remember about it. I just saw him as like this omnipresent. I'm like, oh no, they're all kind of doing their own thing, you know? Yeah. And then the cook, he doesn't like to murder at all. He just likes to eat their food. <laughs> and so like, yeah, it's, it's funny how much characterization all of the bad guys have. As opposed to all of the good guys and that direct conflict. And I think, I mean, it does have to do with the fact that, like, if you run into Leatherface in this movie, you're not getting away. Like, there's no, <laughs> yeah. other than Sally, there's no, like, second chances. And I think that, because you, you hear about this movie and, like, in my mind, I was kind of, because I knew it was in the 70s. But I put it around the time of Star Wars where things are kind of pretty clean, like Star Wars and Jaws and stuff. But it's before Star Wars in that era where everything's kind of dirty. Like uh, like I said, like you have last, ha- last House on the left. I just realized that I can't say the word, the letters L. Um, and, and movies like that, they're a little more gringy. And I think that this movie still manages to be shocking because of the way the deaths are presented. Like even Last House on the left, which is pretty, you know, shocking and it's maybe in bad taste it's definitely like 
way more gruesome than this one. And the murders are always like drawn out. Like the girls' murders, There's... they're always like you see them get raped, you see them get tortured, you see them scream and stuff. And in this one, like the very first murder is the guy walking. He sees Leatherface, and Leatherface hits him on the head, and then hits him again, and then closes the door, and that's it. Yeah, or like like uh, when when he puts the girl on the meat hook. There's no like like it just he just does it, and there's no like scrunch sound effect or anything that you yeah. would expect, or like hard music scene, which there definitely was in like the 2003 version. And it's like, oh yeah, no, it's more horrifying that he just did it, and it just would have happened and just be the most painful thing, you know. Yeah, and I think in both instances, he'll just, like, until he kills Franklin, he'll kill you, and then he kind of just goes about doing his stuff. Like, that's what, to me, that's what makes that scene with the meat hook so scary, is that he puts the girl on the meat hook and then just turns away and, like, gets back to, like, doing whatever he's doing. I think he's, like, cleaning his chainsaw. (laughs) And so it's kind of like... uh, it's like, oh, yeah, he knows you're not getting away. Like, he's not scared that you're going to run or you're going to get the meat hook out of you. He already knows how this how this is going to end, you know? Yeah, although I, I do kind of appreciate that. Uh, and this is probably just because they had no budget. But, like, the chainsaw is realistically kind of shitty. Like, obviously, he's good with it. But like it like, oh, it doesn't just slice through stuff like it's like a lightsaber. You know, it's like, oh, it kind of bounces off stuff because chainsaws really aren't meant to like, you know, right, right, right. be super sharp, you know, like like near the end when he's trying to attack the the truck driver's door. It's just kind of like scraping up. against. It's like, it, yeah. yeah, that's that's what it would do. Yeah. Or he has to cut a wooden door in this movie and it takes so long. Yeah, it takes a while. <laughs> he has to cut, yeah, it's just like, oh, yeah, because they, like they had a real chainsaw. So he can start knocking it down. <laughs> Yeah, because those are real chains. Whereas, like, real like in Evil Dead, he's like wielding it like Excalibur, you know? Yeah. Yeah, in Evil Dead, he definitely uses it <laughs> like a sword that can do anything. <laughs> but I think, yeah, again, like that all adds to the charm of like how long it takes for everything. And I think, like, yeah, I, I always wonder why this movie is so shocking. And I, especially like that first kill, I think because you know that something's coming. And it spends so much time like building up to to that first kill. And then it just happens. Like the guy is literally like looking. They're looking to find someone. Yeah, he, he just comes out and there's no like, oh, you see him stalking him like through the house. It's like, no, he just showed like he's just there, you know, and I think that's kind of where and you're it's like, all, OK. Yeah. You almost get the sense that Leatherface isn't expecting anyone. And he's like, oh, shit. Okay. And then he just does it. Like, oh, this is what a lucky day for us, you know? I also didn't, I like in my mind too, and because I think that this is what they do in like the remakes and stuff. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, isn't he just like Jason where he just kind of silently moves around? But I was like, no, he's like hooting and like laughing the whole movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't <laughs> talk, but he does make a lot of noises. Like when yeah. he grabs a girl right after that. He's like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, he does like, 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 and you get the idea he's like, he's like mentally disabled or something. Cause they'll talk right. to him and he tries to talk to like the cook and stuff later. But yeah. Yeah. It's a series of grunts that they, I mean, they had planned earlier to say that he had some kind of learning disability. So he couldn't talk that well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like, I, I just wonder like if you were going to see this movie in 1974 yeah and you're like at a drive-thru in south austin or whatever 
yourself los angeles like what like what would you think was happening because it just like and it's so funny because it takes so long for the murders to start happening and once they start happening the movie is unrelenting until the very last frame and there's this like i think that and that i think it's part of the reason is the way like it's filmed and kind of how it just immediately escalates to like like just this like super anxious like climax is like different from like and granted i haven't seen a lot of like horror movies from like the 50s and 60s but they're definitely a lot like slower drawn out like oh the killer's coming he's gonna maybe do something you know i mean i think last house on the left is not good i don't know if you want to defend it someday uh, but uh, like like this is one of those where it's like oh no it holds up because it like defined the genre in so many ways yeah you know? and i remember watching last house on the left um or we watched it together and like yeah i mean the movie's brutal but at the same time it keeps cutting to these bumbling cops yeah, yeah these these weird like, like light-hearted beast story of cops being like where to park my car and you're like i don't yeah what what is this like they're, they're like bulk and skull there's a fucking movie <laughs> and like and so it does take you out of it because like it, they're 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 kind of there to remind you that it's just a movie you know like oh yeah i mean there's some bumbling cops laugh at them where like texas chainsaw there's like nothing to <laughs> yeah. like there's no like separation from the horror once it starts you know and i think that that kind of adds to how kind of unrelenting the movie feels after that point and there's also like it doesn't kind of do the thing like even even good horror movies will do this like uh like misery where he escapes and then it cuts to like a year later to see how he's doing or whatever like oh he's still recovering whereas in this movie it's like oh there it doesn't really resolve in the way of like and then she came back with the cops and they shot him. And then, you know, it's like, you just see her get away and that's all, you know, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're like, yeah, that's just fucking the sigh of relief. And then it's done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think like, yeah, it, it, it's, it's weird how, and again, I think that adds to the fear is like how human it is. Like we were saying, like, okay, so let's talk about the fucking infamous dinner scene. So they get Sally, they kill Franklin because they're looking in the woods and they can't find anyone. And Leatherface shows up and uh, he kills Franklin. And then he, uh, he chases Sally and they eventually like, they get to the gas station. That's when they find out the cook is part of it. He kidnaps her and uh, he hits her really hard with a broom that I don't think was fake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> those, that... those kids, I was watching the documentary and, um, and like I said, yeah, so they put the the thing on, and the old man, who's just like a regular old dude, if you if you listen to him, he was like hitting her, and then Marilyn Chambers was like, "No, hit me for real," and so like he started whacking her with that fucking broom, um, and so they get her back to the house, and eventually she like joins them for dinner, and like one of the creepiest scenes to me, because like is they they put a bag over her head and they take the bag out, and it's the hitchhiker, and he tells her. He goes, oh, I thought you were in a rush. Oh, yeah. Because they dumped like, him. Yeah. Yeah. Because when they pick him up the first time, they say they can't drop him off at the house. Because the hitcher, you kind of get the sense that he's like the bait. And he, he'll he hitchhike and he'll try to get people to go to their house so that they can kill him. And they like they clearly don't fall for it because he's unhinged. But like, yeah, just him telling her like the callback to what she said to them. Yeah. is so like sinister and like 
I don't know. It's just so creepy the way he does it. See, you know, it really got me in this scene was uh, how she's like trying to reason with like the cook to be like, oh, come on, get get them to let me go. Like essentially not admitting to herself that he's just what her as, predicament is. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's just as much part. It's like to me, it's almost like when uh, I don't know if you remember Donald Trump was president. But when people oh, yeah. be like, oh, yeah, no, he's crazy. But like once he's out of office, we can like negotiate with like the, the rational Republicans like Ted Cruz. It's like, no, he might talk more politely, but it's all the same thing. <laughs> they're they're all they all want the same thing, you know, like. Yeah, the, like he doesn't want to kill people, but people are going to get killed. Yeah, and, he, and he'll help like he won't literally do it himself. But he is going to, like, facilitate that and assist them as much as possible, even though they're psychopaths. Yeah. Ted Cruz and yeah. the cook. So. And uh, it is. Um, yeah, like, there's that scene, again, like, with the cook. So they're, they're like, taunting her. And you see Leatherface and the Hitcher kind of playing with her like a little doll. And the, that's when the cook is like, oh, I don't like killing. I don't like, I don't understand how you guys do this. But um, should also note that Leatherface then, is in drag in this scene. Well, he wears he wears a wig and makeup and a dress, kind of. Yeah, he has three different looks. He has the regular <laughs> Leatherface look, which is just, which is a very cute uh, white t-shirt and an apron, and then he has his homemaker look, which is a gray wig with a uh, makeup and another. Like a more fancy apron that he uses when he's cooking dinner. A lady's apron. And then he finally has his his going out nighttime where it is a woman's face, (laughs) makeup, and a suit for some reason. But yeah, he's definitely in his suit. And and like they're taunting her. And that's when the cook is like, oh, I don't like killing. And then they bring out the grandfather who's like 106 years old. And they're like kind of teasing her and taunting her. And you see the cook like kind of get into it. And like, I feel like everyone's. This is so weird, but it's like, I understand what emotion the cook is going through where it like people are participating in an activity that you don't really care about, but they're so excited about it that you kind of get excited about it. Yeah. Like you You want to be, you want to be like part of the group. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm not into video games, but then when it's like if you're watching someone play video games and you kind of get invested in in whether they're going to live or not. And, like, that's what he's doing, except for the fact that it's... Torturing and murdering someone, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's even, like, I mean, and it is, like, obviously, like, they, they, like, some of it is played for, like, super dark laughs when they're like, oh, we should... uh, we should have the grandpa killer and he's so old he can't even hold the hammer and it's like super yeah. pathetic, you know? It's just like uh performance. It was like a young guy, but he was just under heavy makeup, which doesn't look great, but it, it like yeah, works it's anyway. Fine. Yeah. And, and so Sally gets out because they try to get the grandpa to kill her. Yeah, <laughs> she's so they're trying to like hold her yeah. down and she gets away and like leaps out the window. And she leaves out the window and then she like runs down the road and then she like stops a trucker. And he, um, so like he finds out and he has like a wrench and they kind of run away a little bit. And then he throws the wrench at Leatherface's head (laughs) and he gets hit in the head and he drops the chainsaw on himself. And again, like, I think again, (laughs) that kind of adds like the whole, like not having mysticism around them makes it so much scarier. Even like the fact that you could kind of stop them with a wrench 
it's like yeah he would be stopped with a wrench and that's kind of like why because this is the real world yeah and i think i kind of appreciate and i i assume that truck driver is dead because how is he getting back to his truck when yeah that's every time i watch this movie i just think of like two hours later the truck driver like has to (laughs) come back for his truck right like hope that they're not around it you know at that point you know yeah that's like it's literally right in front of the sawyer house but and it's It's also he ran in the opposite direction yeah it's funny because he doesn't the guy stops for her but they don't like pick up the trucks. You know what I mean? Like, it's just (laughs) such a, like such a weird thing for him to run off that way. And to be like this kind of important character that has no lines, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's just like, Oh, and he, he also kills the hitcher, which we forgot to say. He did, he, oh, yeah, hitcher. that's right. Because the guy's almost about to get her. And then the, the truck runs over him as she jumps out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's funny that he, uh, that he, he just runs off and you don't know what happens. That's what my short film is going to be about. It's going to be about this. That guy. You'll get the, the same truck actor. driver having, having to come back to us. <laughs> we'll get the same actor and he'll be like, oh, yeah, it's been this long because that's what scared <laughs> I've been hiding in the woods. <laughs> Like Robin Williams and Jumanji, it's been yeah. thirty-five years. <laughs> made a I made a life for myself. Um, and so yeah, she gets away, and then she's screaming, and then the Leatherface is just dancing with his chainsaw in the middle of the sun, <laughs> in like another classic move. But yeah, and then it just ends, and it's like, oh my god! Like there was no resolution, really. I mean, Sally gets away is about as much resolution as you're gonna get. But like, well, you I- don't see the cops. The whole city, I mean, the whole family's crazy, so who knows who picked her up, you know? And they kind of, like, they they almost do that, because at the very beginning, they're list, like, um, there's just a newscast playing. And the newscast first is about, like, oh, there's been mutilated bodies found all over Texas. Immediately launches into, like, oh, and then these oil fields are on fire, and these random, like, kids committed suicide in, like, Austin. And it's like, oh, it's just another, like, random act of violence that, like, society doesn't even, like, follow up on. So I assume that was kind of the point, you know? And, like, yeah, like I said, I was kind of making fun of Toby Hooper at the beginning about the... Yeah, I mean, it's it's ridiculous, but... but... he does add, like, the radio twice, like, because he adds it at the very beginning when they're in the van... And then he also opens the movie with it, and then he brings it back when they're in the in the gas station where Sally thinks she's safe and she's not. And every time it plays, it's playing um, like this, like it's playing just horrific things that have happened around the right. And like, and like it's like, but as background noise, like no one's ever paying attention. They're like, all right, yeah. that's the news. You and know? I, I do think there is something to be said about the fact that like we're just constantly surrounded by violence, even more now, you know. And we just kind of, as Americans, as Texans, we have to ignore it. and uh, Or not ignore it, but it just gets ignored. Like, how many mass shootings have we had this week? Like, four? Yeah. And I th- I think that it's just kind of our culture. And that's kind of like... So, you know, I, I made fun of him, but there is a commentary on just how much violence and how much death and horrific things are just constantly happening in America, you know? Yeah, and I, I I do kind of think too. It's like, and I I definitely think that was probably. I mean, I assume it was a little worse back in the seventies. I don't know for sure, but um, I don't think there was as many mass shootings. But I don't know about crime. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like but I also don't know if it was like. I feel like it was easier also, to just I get away say... with murdering people in the seventies. <laughs> you know, like. But all, also, also in the seventies. 
Like we had just like this is just out of Vietnam. So right. yeah, I mean, there's not as many mass shootings, but there was like a whole mass casualty thing of everyone coming back from Vietnam. Uh so for the last thing, and I think we're gonna do this for all of the movies, I wanna talk about who do you think personally is the scariest member of the family in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original? Me, personally, I think it's the hitchhiker. You know, I'm going to say the same thing. How weird. Like Because, that first... like, Leatherface is kind of confined to the house. Right. And, and obviously the grandpa's just an invalid. And the cook right. seems like he wouldn't kill you if he didn't have to. Whereas the hitchhiker yeah. is actively seeking. Like at the beginning when they pick him up, he's trying to get them. He's like, oh, come to my house. My brother's a good cook. Like he he's essentially luring. He's also unsettling to be around, you know? Like, yeah, it's also that thing where like the hitcher is... Um... Yeah, like all he has to do is sit in the van and get them to go to the house so that they can murder them, which is like a five minute drive. And but he's, he's, so, he's so unhinged. unhinged. Yeah. yeah, he can't keep it together for that five minutes before creeping everyone out. And like his response to yeah, them. He can't not like, cut you know, like himself. When the, yeah. Yeah, like when they... Like when you're talking to someone and you notice that you're making them uncomfortable or whatever, you would be like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, or you like try to change your attitude. But he, every time his response is to make things worse. <laughs> like he uh, he gives them a picture that he takes at Franklin. He wants $2 for it. And they're like, we're not going to give you $2. And they're like, all right, it's about time for you to go. And he's like, oh, okay. And so he takes out like a piece of aluminum foil, aluminum foil. And he like sets the picture on fire with gunpowder. <laughs> And like that freaks them out even more. So then his response to them freaking out to that is to take out his knife and cut Franklin down the arm. Yeah. It's just so like, he's just so crazy that like, yeah, the whole time I was like, what is wrong with you, dude? Yeah. Like if, if I had to choose, cause I also feel like if you're in a situation, Leatherface will probably kill you very quickly. And he won't like he doesn't want to, you know? Yeah. And that's the other thing. Like I said, like Leatherface is very done and done with you. Like he hits you over the head and then he eats you. That's it. But the hitcher, he's he seems to enjoy like making you uncomfortable, like and getting like the reactions out of you. So like if I mean, you, obviously you don't want to be killed by any of them. But if you have to be killed by any of them, Leatherface is going to hit you over the head and then the lights out. <laughs> But the the hitcher he wants you to be as scared as possible before he kills you, and it's yeah, it just makes him so much worse. Like every time he's on screen, you're like, oh my god, what is wrong with this guy? That's why I seen him like in an interview where he's just acting normal. <laughs> you're like, oh yeah, acting. That's a thing. I'm a director. See, and what I think works is that he's the only one like that, and that's always been my problem with a lot of these like Rob Zombie style yeah. remakes is that everyone acts like that all the time. Where it's like, well. It doesn't really work when everyone's this crazy, you know? Yeah, I think that that is an important note to take is that I think the reason this works is because, yeah, like, I mean, I don't want to shit on Rob Zombie. We have talked about how we like Lord of Salem. But one of the problems with, like, House of a Thousand Corpses is that they're all kind of the same level of crazy, especially in The Devil's Rejects. And it's literally the main problem with the three from hell or whatever it's called is that they're all the same kind of crazy 
Where in this one, the fact that they're very much their own characters kind of makes it way worse, you know? Yeah, that there's there's these kind of like distinct personalities, whereas they're all kind of manic, angry, yelly, tortury guys in in the Rob Zombie movies. Yeah, yeah and I think that that makes it like it, it kind of does the same thing. Where it's like, oh, I'm watching a movie because they're all there's no way that this family could hold it together for that long. <laughs> where the Sawyers, with the fact that the chef is like just a normal guy and the hitcher can at least talk to people. I can understand how they've been able to like last out here in the middle of nowhere for so long. But, like, yeah, in some of these other movies, like this Texas Chainsaw Copycats, you the problem is that they all act super crazy. And I think, or even, we may even run into this problem with some of the sequels. <laughs> I was going to say, I assume the sequel, I, I honestly assume it only gets worse. Uh, this is probably the height based on... Well, I mean, it is going to be the height just because this is one of the greatest horror films a seminal film sure but i am interested to see it's like how do they try to change the formula you know yeah yeah exactly i think like there's a lot to mine out of this and we're gonna see how that goes as we continue um but yeah i'm excited i'm excited to see the next one i saw i have interesting stories about me watching texas chainsaw massacre part two when i was a little kid but um, but yeah, so that one's coming up next week. It stars Dennis Hopper. Was, they brought Toby Hooper back because this movie was a phenomenon. Like it did really well. And I mean, it's still, we're still talking about it today, obviously. I think if anyone, you know, I think Texas Chainsaw is on everyone's greatest horror movies list, you know? Although I can understand why people would hate it because it is like unrelenting. Like I don't think my mom, Oh, that's a that I just remembered that my mom and dad they went to go see Texas Chainsaw Massacre on their first date. <laughs> what a Ever. terrible first date film! I know. Like, imagine if you go see a movie and it's Texas Chainsaw. I would never see that man again. I would be terrified <laughs> of him. Um, but yeah, that is funny. And so, uh, so yeah, I just think like, and my mom hates horror films, which makes it even funnier. Because this is, like, not even a normal horror film. It's, like, a fucking... It goes out of its way to be nasty. Um, yeah. Which is, again, it's it's very... I don't feel good watching them, but I appreciate that that's the, that's the intent, you know? Yeah. Is that, I mean, it's the intent, and it, it works. And I think it works. I think it works because not only does it... Is it unrelenting, but also... At least there is some semblance of Sally getting away, you know? I think if they all died. And I've seen a movie where this actually becomes a problem. Where if they all died, you there's nothing to really even root for. And you're just like, oh, this sucks. I don't want to just see torture porn. Um, so yeah. So next week, we're, we're moving on to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And we will enjoy it, I guess. I don't know. We'll see. I haven't seen it in a long time. But yeah, come back to the bomb squad oh yeah i should actually do this at the beginning so i just want to say that our short film and by short i mean feature i don't know how to talk i just want to say that our feature film which won best of the fest at the sacramento horror film festival (laughs) take that myanmar what's that movie (laughs) called take that take that minari (laughs) <laughs> oh, you won Best Picture? Guess who won Best of the Fest at the Sacramento Horror Film Festival? This guy. And I didn't even need to be bought by Amazon, Nomadland. Um, 
Those are the only movies I know that are nominated. <laughs> I wish I could know more. But we have also gotten into the International Horror Film Festival in Columbus, Ohio. We will be playing on June 3rd through the 6th. So if you're in Columbus, Ohio or anywhere near it and you want to see what the hell I'm always talking about, come on down. I might even show up if I can arrange it. So yeah, very exciting. Me and Josh worked on it. And we're super pumped to to show it again. We're still Quite in festivals. The film. Yeah, we're still in festivals. We um, but you know it's cool. It's cool to to be able to see it on the big screen eventually. So yeah, so come, so check that out, and also come back for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre two. It can only get better. I mean, <laughs> so many options. But yeah, this has been the Bomb Squad. I'm your host, Andrew Joseph Hara, Andrew Minyar, Nomadland Hara. And, and I'm the Joker. I'm keeping that from the, the from Justice, the Justice League, League episode. Yeah. From I'm our most famous episode, the Justice I, League. I'm still the Joker, in case for anyone keeping track. Um, but yeah, so we'll see you guys next week. Have fun have a good week guys have a sex test <laughs> i don't know <laughs> have a Just have a spectacular week oh. we are ruining oh. we are ruining our own podcast as we do <laughs> yeah all right all right, all right. guys see you later <laughs>